0: Welcome back, everybody. We are finally back. It is the Philosopher's Stone podcast, episode 52. That's a year, a year of content for you people, for free, for free, because we would feel bad charging you for this, because it's <laughs> really not that good. <laughs> Just kidding. It's amazing. <laughs> that's a—that's 52. It's a year, Sam. A, a year we've been doing this podcast. Um I mean, we have taken weeks off here and there. We did have a bit of a hiatus. We've had technical issues. We've had uh, issues of, uh, well, essentially, I'm in the clutches of the demon insomnia yet again. So I've been having no energy to do anything after work, even if if I even make it to work. So um, it's really fucking up my life. not going to lie. It's fucking it up. But I've got... People that have given me advice. There's sleep meditation apps. I'm going to try that next. Um, But we're back. That's all that matters. And it's the last episode of our 52-week season. And then we're going to start a new... uh, We're going to maybe do some... What are we going to do, Sam? Revamp a little little bit about the podcast. Maybe get some upgrades. We get... Yeah. Get a new theme song, maybe. Yeah, we got
1: some... We got some uh, shit in the pot that's uh, simmering away. and We'll see what it turns into.
0: <laughs> we got shit simmering in the pot, and it smells great. So <laughs> You're lucky this isn't a smelly podcast. It's all audio. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, what's happened? To, I just got back from doing um, CamCom 2021. If uh, anyone out there is in Loops, maybe they attended it. Um, but it's always my favorite uh, weekend of comedy of the year, uh, we had about I think there's like eight Kelowna comedians went out to Kamloops and we got to do everything from co-feature to host. We got to work with two Juno award-winning comedians, Sophie Buttle and Jacob Samuel, and the legend himself, TV's John Dor, was hosting and doing guest spots, and it was it was quite something to watch these these. Uh, these top tier comics do their thing. And uh they liked us too. They liked our, our the Kelowna comedians. They thought we were all funny and uh it was quite validating, <laughs> to say the least. Uh and we all had a blast. You know, it's one of those things where everybody gets everybody's in the same hotel, big parties after the shows, and yeah, it was good shit. It was good shit.
1: Ah, damn. Sounds fun. Mm-hmm. John Door's I saw him in Ottawa. He just goes up on stage with like two beers and doesn't take the mic out of the stand and just starts talking. <laughs> he's funny.
0: Oh yeah. It's, it's crazy how like his level of experience is immediately, immediately evident when he's on stage.
1: Oh yeah. Totally, totally comfortable.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he's probably more comfortable on stage than he is doing anything else. I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, He liked my stuff, which is always cool to hear, especially from someone that you like. I've seen him on TV a bunch. He's done Conan like a thousand times, it looks like. And uh, so it's really nice to get some positive feedback from the real deal. Mm -hmm. Keep that imposter syndrome at bay, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is a real thing. That affects everybody. Imposter syndrome.
0: Yeah. So he says he wants to work together again soon. So that's. Encouraging stuff!
1: Fucking congratulations!
0: Thank you very much. It'll be a good uh, feather in my cap. Bring back some some good news to the boys down at Dakotas that we are not doing every. That even though we are the small town scene, we do develop strong comedians. So.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I always tell everybody, Kelowna's yeah probably one of the best places to start doing comedy.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, you can't get like if you have any sort of inkling of like putting effort in, you get as much stage time as you want, and uh, in turn, you uh, you get good fast. And Mm -hmm. I feel like you know you're kind of insulated from maybe some of the 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 uh, the pitfalls of bigger city scenes. So yeah, it's a good little microcosm of people getting funny with not very much um, restriction, I guess.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Not a whole lot of politicking going on. If you want to do comedy, you get stage time, and no one's really telling you what you can or can't do up there. So I think that's like one of the things that helps develop good comedians quickly. Anyways, other than that, just been doing whatever. How, what else is new for you, <laughs> Sam? Anything you've been doing? Shows out in T dot Toronto? Yeah, I've been doing uh, lots of lots. There's lots of open mics here, so it's good. I can go up
1: on open mics two or three times a week. Nice. So, yeah, it's very nice. Lots of comedy going around.
0: Meeting some new comics or what?
1: Oh yeah. Meeting lots of people. There's lots of very funny people in Ottawa. Run into Kyle and Jack every now and then. They're hilarious.
0: Kyle and Jack are they are always hilarious. I, I mean, I love watching both of them. They're both, they're like different flavors of the same brand. It's it's weird those two.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did a uh I, I was on a show with Jack that was a lot of
0: fun. Jack is one of those guys, like, he can go up and, like, he doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't even have to try, and I'm dying laughing. Like, it is. It is. there's something about that kid that is just so funny.
1: He was trying to, like, jump and touch this thing up
0: high, and then when he touched it, he was like, see, I'm
1: an athlete. Like, <laughs> he's <was> just <laughs> jumping.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's... uh He's something to watch. Like there's not like even when he's not even trying to do jokes, it's it's just there's just something about him that just cracks me up. Kyle's the same way, but they're different. They're different enough. Um, great team. They make a great team. There's a big big blow to the Kelowna comedy scene when those two left, but we still claim them as our own. Oh yeah. No, they are they are. Yeah. It's their uh their
1: what do you call it? Like uh origin story? Yeah, origin story. That's their origin story, Kelowna.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they were forged in the fires of the Dakota's backroom comedy, and now they are out slicing and dicing in the big city. Um, so so fifty-two episodes in, I don't know how, if anyone's been on board since episode one. Give us a shout. Oh, I haven't even checked the emails. Maybe we got an email, Sam. Maybe. maybe, maybe, maybe. This is um. I don't know if we're gonna have
1: time for an email on this one. This is uh. This is gonna be a hell of an episode, well,
0: shit, should we just get right into the content then?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Let's get in. Is there an email? Is there one? Uh, I'll find out. I'll find out. okay. we still we have we did answer La Grande's last mm-hmm. episode. It wasn't last week. We had a little break there for a bit. Um,
1: yeah, we decided to have our break right before our final
0: episode of the season. <laughs> Yeah, well, we were having technical issues that needed to be sorted out. That's true. And still may need to be sorted out, but they needed to be acknowledged. And uh, it didn't help that I wasn't really um, sleeping for like two weeks. We did get an email. And this might be from someone we actually don't know personally. Oh, my God. So that's that's pretty special. That is pretty special to get an email from a stranger.
1: Okay. All right. Well, maybe if we have time, we can uh, take a peek at it after.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a quick email. It's just a question, but maybe it'll give you something to, uh, to think about for, uh, the next couple episodes. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll answer that email at the end and, uh, let's get into the content, dude. All
1: right. Well, I mean, I feel like to finish off the 52nd episode, right? I think we, we mentioned who we were going to do last week, but we're going to be doing Karl Marx, probably the most influential impactful philosopher on the modern world yeah i can't think of anybody else who's had more of an impact than uh old marx old marxie
0: well tell me about him. <laughs> all i know about as people always like when it, when when the topic of uh communism comes up he usually gets mentioned am i correct in that
1: i believe he coined the phrase either him or his partner friedrich engels but yeah he pretty much invented it huh well, I mean, if you go way back to uh, the early Christian church, they were basically communists, they had no property.
0: right. but we don't talk about that. <laughs> no, we don't talk about that on this podcast. <laughs> we don't We don't attempt difficult subjects on this <laughs> podcast. We keep it very user-friendly, as they say.
1: yeah, but he, he was uh, he was the first like economic communist. So he's uh he's all over the, like this episode is going to be history, economics, philosophy. Like we're all we're all over the map with this one, right? Uh yeah. So Karl Marx, he I mean this guy would have been great at Twitter. He had he had some great lines that you will probably recognize. So these are some lines from Karl Marx, from each according to their abilities, to each according to their needs. Okay, pretty good. He thought that would be, when, the, when society could achieve that, that's what he thought would be the most advanced form of communism. That's what it would be able to achieve. Advanced communism. Uh, here's another one. Yeah. Very famous quote. Religion is the opium of the
0: masses. Oh, I've heard that before. Yep, that's Karl Marx. Hear that tossed tossed at the teacher in religious <laughs> studies from the back of the classroom. Some guy wears. <laughs> Sunglasses inside. Doesn't really have any friends, but everybody respects him for some reason. Is that that's the type of guy that would say that? <laughs>
1: uh, here's another one: The workers have nothing to lose but their chains.
0: I like that one. That's that is pretty good. You don't hear that one as much.
1: No. And then here's the this is the final line of the Communist Manifesto: Workers of all countries, unite! and that one it seems simple but actually it, it has a very it has a deeper meaning and the meaning of it is that we should do away with the idea of nations and countries entirely those should be gone and we should just we should just be united as the workers of the world we're all human beings we're all in this world together let's do away with this silly notion of nations and countries
0: i mean see that's when you're starting to get into the until you're just being naive there, buddy. Like, there's no way that'll ever happen. (laughs) Yeah. Not until we're all linked into the mainframe together.
1: The mainframe, yeah. Yeah, so as, as we'll see, Karl Marx very good, or he seems to be very good at identifying the problems with capitalism. Yeah. But less good at being able to propose a detailed solution to those problems.
0: Right. Always complaining. Coming with the problems and not the solutions. Everybody loves that guy.
1: I'll make a bet with you right now that by the end of this episode, if right now you consider yourself an anti-communist, I would say by the end of this episode, you would be very sympathetic.
0: To communism? Yeah. Well, maybe we shouldn't do this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Well, we'll see what you think. We'll see what you think. I didn't wake up this morning a capitalist and go into bed as a communist sympathizer. That would be quite the transformation.
1: Listen, hundreds of millions of people died because
0: of communism. Yeah.
1: Sometimes you just have to separate the art from the artist. You know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, like Michael Jackson.
1: No, not like Michael Jackson.
0: (laughs) What? You got to separate his music from his pedophilia, right? You got it.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true.
0: There's no way you're not nodding your head when Thriller comes on. Okay. (laughs) That's all I'm saying.
1: Nodding to sleep. Nodding off to sleep.
0: Oh yeah. (sighs) Not a good song suddenly.
1: (laughs) All right. So, uh, Karl Marx, let's, let's dive in to this artist. Yeah. So here's like, this is a, this is a quote from the movie, the good, the bad and the ugly, but it kind of sums up an idea of Karl Marx. And the quote is, if you work for a living, why do you kill yourself working? And this is the, the concept that Marx came up with called alienation. Okay. So what is alienation? Alienation is a, he calls it like a social ill. So it's like a, a disease of society. And it occurs when a person or a group is separated from something that it should be united with.
0: Yeah. Yeah, of
1: course. Right, so that makes sense. You're alienated from something that you should be like a part of.
0: Yeah, I think people know what alienated means.
1: Yeah, and according to Marx, uh, alienation prevents human beings from flourishing.
0: So what does it take to
1: flourish? Well, according to Marx, humans must be able to develop and practice their abilities and skills to their potential and participate in a rich social community life. Right. Would you agree? Yeah. And suppose there was an economic or political system that prevented humans from developing and practicing their abilities and skills, and participating in a rich community life. Mm-hmm. That system would prevent human flourishing. Okay. 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 All right. So with with me so far? Okay. All right. So then there are. <laughs> so Karl Marx thought that he had identified three sources of alienation. The first is religion the second is labor or work and the third is politics specifically in the western context right so from marx's perspective the western religious economic and political structure directly frustrates and interferes with human flourishing and in order to promote human flourishing you'd have to overthrow these systems so let's see if let's see if he's, let's see if he's right let's see if he's right so the first thing kind of alienation he says comes from religion right Right, so Christianity, God created humans in His own image, but then cast us out of the Garden of Eden when we ate of the tree of knowledge, and so we are separated from that which we are supposed to be a part of.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's like me pulling, Like, it's so. Uh, I mean, obviously, that story of the good. Uh, this is the fruit of good, like knowledge of good and evil. And also don't eat it because it's bad. And they're like, what's bad? I'm going to eat this because they don't fucking know (laughs) (laughs) what good and evil is. Mm -hmm. And they eat it and then they realize, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And God's like, gotcha, bitch. Get out of my garden.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I saw a thing with uh, uh, Billy Bob Thorne where he said the same thing. Like everything, everything that feels good destroys your heart or something like
0: that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing how many things make you feel good in the moment that like are bad for you uh, over time. Yeah. It's really a cruel joke. Cigarettes. Cigarettes, booze, anything, really. Yeah.
1: Okay, but all right. So suppose um, Marx didn't actually believe in Christianity, right? He was an atheist. He believed humans had created God in their own image. So instead of God creating humans in God's own image, we created God in our own image. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, right? So we imagine our greatest abilities, and then we project these abilities onto this entity that we call God. Hence, we separate ourselves from our own greatest abilities. So again, alienation. So whichever way you slice it, yeah, religion has alienation built right into it.
0: Yes, it does.
1: Preach. Yeah. First thing communists do, get rid of all the religion. Communism is an atheist system. You're not allowed to have religion.
0: Okay. Well, that's a, that's a positive in yeah. my view. Okay. Communism, you're, you, I don't like how you're sneaking up into my, into my heart, <laughs> into my good graces already.
1: Oh man, we've barely even. Okay, here. So work, right? Work, labor. Yeah. Marx thought this is another kind of alienation. Now, Marx didn't think that working was a bad thing. Actually, he thought work is necessary for human flourishing. We have to work. And work could be an opportunity for something great. It could be a chance to be creative to work towards a common goal or a higher purpose, it could allow people to be self-actualized and self-realized and participate in a community together as they work. So work could achieve human flourishing, but not in a capitalist system because according to Marx, capitalism has four kinds of alienation built into it.
0: Okay, what's the four?
1: So uh, the first is that workers are separated from the product that they produce. So, for example, um, suppose you suppose there's like a nice hotel, a fancy hotel. Mm-hmm. There's staff and there's guests. If it's a fancy hotel, it's very unlikely that the staff can afford to stay at the hotel or have a meal there or anything. Right. And yet, they are the ones who make the meals, provide the rooms, clean everything. Mm-hmm. So they're they're separated from their labor. Or you could think of like some like poor person um who makes a phone on an assembly line they probably can't afford to buy it yeah so we are like we're separated from our own products that we make
0: yeah i mean even in my own my own job right now like i can't afford any of the stuff that i'm making day to day i can't afford to put in my own home especially the prices they're charging but they i mean <laughs> it's wild it is wild yeah but yeah, I don't think, I mean, I, I, even when I was doing electrical, it's like, I couldn't afford to pay someone to install this lighting system in my house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. And in the worst case scenario, the technology that we create actually escapes our control and
0: works against us. Uh, Like Facebook? Yeah, exactly. Like
1: Facebook, artificial intelligence, algorithms, like these things.
0: I mean, I think it's pretty much undebatable at this point that social media was a bad idea or at least the current <laughs> art incarnation of it is fucking up society. I think, can we all agree on that at this point?
1: Yeah, I would
0: agree. That's what pissed me off. Actually, we can't all agree on that because I remember the other week when Facebook and Instagram crashed or whatever. I was like, this is a nice afternoon treat. Like, this is a nice treat today to not (laughs) even have the ability to check Facebook or Instagram. But it was scary was I still kept trying over and over again on Reflex. But overall, I was like, every time I tried, and I realized it wasn't refreshing. I was like, that's good. It's a good thing. This is how it should be. Then when it came back on, all I saw was statuses of like, Oh wow! Fuck you, Facebook! I had to. Blah, 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 blah. I didn't get to. Blah, 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 blah. People were like mad that it crashed, which I can understand. But also, it's like the shackles—the shackles are off. All of us, <laughs> the shackles had were, were gone. We weren't connected to each other, and it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, no one was arguing for that whole day. It was nuts. Social media,
1: another kind of alienation. It uh, separates you from your community, even though that's what it's supposed to be connecting.
0: Oh, yeah, it's definitely way more divisive than it does unify people, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. If we could have, like, froze Facebook back in 2008, that would have been nice. That 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 iteration of it where it was...
1: We should have never gone away from MySpace. MySpace was fine. should have never, never left it.
0: Yeah, MySpace was cool. <laughs> Let's go back to that.
1: <laughs> okay, the second kind of alienation is that workers are separated from their activity the process of work itself is often physically and mentally debilitating
0: yeah well uh, yeah
1: so you should be like enjoying your work but actually it causes you back pain and mental pain and stress and all these sorts of things
0: right but like there's some work that can't be done that's like there's some work that must be done that is not enjoyable so how do you get around that
1: you invent technology to do it for you but you got to be careful. Anyway, Marx doesn't give the answers. He just identifies the problems.
0: Right, I forgot about that. I, thought, I forgot <laughs> that about him.
1: Yeah. The third kind is that workers are separated from other workers. This is because of all sorts of different things, from like people having all sorts of different schedules, unpredictable schedules, but also because the capitalist system requires people to treat each other as means to an end. This is according to Marx. It has this sort of built-in exploitation to it where you treat people as means to an end rather than other people. Right. And then finally, the fourth one is like a culmination of all three. So because workers are separated from their capacity to do creative, fulfilling, and satisfying work, they're separated from friends and family and community by having to work all the time, they are unable to fully realize their human capacities for creativity and community and thus they are separated from their very own human nature itself. You're dehumanized. You're a cog in the machine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean... Like, it's like it's easy to say this stuff when you don't have a fucking solution, right? Because there's no way you're going to find a job where everybody gets to be creative and and your family's with you the whole time and you're never working to the point of being tired. And as soon as you don't have fun, you can just stop working. And you're always with your family and friends. It's like, what world (laughs) is this even possible? Okay? Someone's got to do the dirty work. And it's like, how many jobs are actually required Creativity. If you're gonna have like, I mean, you you know what I'm saying. Like, not everybody can be a goddamn painter for work.
1: Sure, sure, sure. But um, we'll 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 get into that, right? Because we'll we'll get into like this idea of painters. We'll get into the painters.
0: Okay. I mean, that was just an example. Could be something (laughs) else. Could be jugglers. Could be circus freaks.
1: It could be anything, right? There's all sorts of different jobs you can do in a capitalist society
0: yeah that's true now that I'm saying it, like <laughs> everybody could have a creative job. <laughs> We'd all live in like paper mache houses, but
1: <laughs> okay, so uh the final form of alienation is political. So consider um our we, we live in what would be like considered like a liberal system. and this system, because liberal in terms of a, liberal, liberalism comes from the term liberty, which means freedom. So liberalism, views freedom as freedom from interference from other people. So the laws in liberal societies are designed to protect people from each other. And this causes a natural separateness and a fear of other people. So Marx argues that the real freedom should not be the sort of negative freedom where you are free from interference from other people. Freedom should be a positive freedom that you gain from interacting with others in the community.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, what about like, um, introverts, they have no place in the communist utopia. People that like to keep to themselves, stop alienating yourself, come out here, be part of the group. No, I hate being part of the group.
1: Yeah, you have to go, you have to go join in.
0: <laughs> well, so this is a, primarily an extrovert philosophy, I would imagine.
1: I mean, even an introvert doesn't live in social is- isolation. No, like no, no one lives. No one can survive in isolation. Like you have to interact with other people sometimes, unless you're a total hermit. In which case, you know, Godspeed, go live in the woods.
0: <laughs> go live in a cabin and build bombs like the Unabomber. Yeah, uh, don't do that. Um, the uh, <laughs> so my my point is, if Karl Marx wants everybody to be always working together, like he doesn't like when people isolate themselves but lots of people like it's, it's
1: not like a, it's It's okay. So, sorry, sorry. It's not like isolation in the sense that you don't go and talk to other people. It's, uh, it's like to the, like the correct, like the way for human flourishing to work is you have to be able to do a job that gives you satisfaction and allows you to realize your capacities for skill, creativity, and, um, doing like fulfilling work. Right. And sometimes that will involve working with other people. But because of capitalism, you can't always do that. That's what he's saying. Because of capitalism, you can't do work that is creative and fulfilling and satisfying, and so that has a negative impact on you as a human being.
0: Yeah, I mean, but you can, you can do that, right? There's artists.
1: Some people can, but some people can't.
0: Um, okay, it's, it's hard to make money as an artist. Yeah, yeah, no shit.
1: Right? Would you deny that? Have you? Ever, how much money have you made from comedy?
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, in total, I mean. You can't live off
1: of it, right? It's something you have to do in addition.
0: No, I can't live off of no. it, but I have I've 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 had good months where I could have potentially lived off it. That month it's just the consistency, that's the problem. Um, but yeah, no.
1: Would you rely on that to supply your food and pay your rent?
0: No, no. No. No, I couldn't. It's just, it's just not consistent enough. Like you'll have good good months and then you'll have months where you make 0. dollars. Mm-hmm. and uh yeah, it's definitely uh, not secure is what that is.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's also important to keep in mind that he's writing during the 19th century in England during the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, at this time, there were, there were literally no laws against
0: child labor, for example. Oh.
1: So it was a different uh, different time.
0: Oh my God. I mean, that's crazy to think about. Here's a shovel.
1: Well they're better at going into those yeah they can fit into the small little nooks and crannies down in the mine or <laughs> they can crawl into the the gears and like take stuff out of the the gears unjam the cogs.
0: <laughs> oh is that your son? He's so cute. Look at oh you know who he, you know who he would probably love is crawling four miles beneath the surface. <laughs> yeah. And
1: um when we look at our society today and think like hey it's like it's not nearly as bad as this old Marx fellow was saying, well, the world changed a lot, partly in response to Karl Marx. So the fact that we don't have the horrible labor conditions that used to exist and still exist in lots of parts of the world. Yeah. Could in large part be traced to to his work.
0: Uh, I can't imagine living in that type of environment where like you're working like 16-hour days at the factory hot metal dripping around you seven days a week and that's just like you gotta do it Mm -hmm. the weekend was never like a thing back then there's no weekend there was only toil
1: yeah that would be another like uh, socialist thing
0: that's hilarious I bitch so much about my work it's not even
1: (laughs) yeah what are you (laughs) And we've got it pretty easy here in Canada. We got it so here.
0: easy, but it is just like it's just easier to bitch about stuff, you know? Yeah. Like I, I, I don't like to be the guy that's always complaining, so I try not to. But I think it's healthy to bitch about stuff that annoys you. I do think so. That doesn't mean you have to. Act, you have to be a lazy worker, but it, 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 there's, there's no harm in. Voicing your disdain for the task at hand if you as long as you get it done, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, you I mean you gotta be allowed to like whinge a little bit, like Yeah. You gotta you gotta have that that opportunity.
0: It's not healthy to keep it all inside.
1: Mm-mm. No. Go punch a pillow or something. That's a good way to do it. hmm Bring a pillow to work and just hit it or scream into it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should have like a scream pillow that they just blow.
0: <laughs> no, I like the idea of having, like, a punch dummy that's just in the corner. And then when,
1: <laughs> <laughs> whale on
0: whenever something pisses you off, you just, you just walk up and just give it an uppercut while staring at the person that told you to do what you're doing.
1: <laughs> what if someone brought in a knife and, like, started, like...
0: That would be uh, alarming, for sure. Like, why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Someone's just over there stabbing it.
0: First of all, do you have any idea how expensive a punch dummy is? Okay, don't cut it up.
1: <laughs> yeah so so in in essence Karl Marx uh, his theory of alienation and for him the most the starkest example of alienation was that you have all these workers who are like killing themselves working in these factories like literally killing themselves yeah and they don't own any of the machines they don't own anything they just go in operate it and leave and the person who actually owns it is the capitalist with the bourgeoisie yeah they're the ones who own it, so the workers are totally separated from the actual means of production. They don't control the means of production, even though they're the ones who have to operate it. So that's and that that happened mainly in the Industrial Revolution.
0: Yeah, that would be a that would be a tough period of 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 time to be alive. Be it at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution or during it, whatever the one where it was so like the factories were going so often that it was just like. It was just sooty out. Like, what's the weather today? (laughs) It's it's black and soot again. It's just black. You're just in. (laughs) Don't bother showering because you will be covered in soot the second you get out of the water. So
1: yeah,
0: might as well just be dirty and tired the entire time you're alive. Oh, and you want something good to eat for dinner? Here's here's the here's the crust of yesterday's sandwich bread.
1: (laughs) Oh.
0: Uh, and then your fucking toddler—he's late for work. <laughs> <All the time. laughs> You're getting bitched at because your toddler doesn't know how to show up to work on time and put in his twelve hours. Yeah, it sucked. Imagine a four-year-old with calloused hands. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's that's say it's rough.
0: Yeah, that's back when kids were smoking darts like all the time. Yeah. What was the life expectancy at that point? 17?
1: In the 19th century, you're not living past 40. Like, very rare to live past 40.
0: Nor would you want to.
1: (laughs) Yeah, lots of kids. Most most children died in childbirth, I think. And uh,
0: yeah, you probably weren't going to live past
1: 40. Anyway.
0: (laughs) Well, that is beautiful. That's just a good time, huh? Mm -hmm. Anyways, I was bitching about my work today. I'm just kidding. Go ahead right so that's that's sort of like
1: marx's diagnosis of alienation in society but he's also he's also famous for um, a few other reasons the the second most interesting was uh oh sorry before we move on we should say that yeah so like basically communism like the point of communism was that it would be able to solve this problem of alienation how exactly not very clear and marx stated the reasons why he didn't give a explicit plan for how a communist society would work he thought it was something that would happen organically he thought communism is inevitable it will eventually occur really yeah he thought he thought the forces of history are deterministic and his theory of history is called historical materialism hmm. okay yeah so he he thought communism is going to happen eventually and this is why the communists are always arguing about when is the right time for the revolution. And so, the big excuse or a big excuse for why communism didn't work in the Soviet Union was that the revolution happened at the wrong time. <laughs> it has to happen at the right time.
0: Okay. But it's happened. Like, how many times has communism been attempted at a large scale? Like, enough times for us to be like, it's probably not ever like it has a rough go of it, usually, from what I understand. Why does communism kill so many people? Like when it's trying to be implemented, like I honestly don't know what, what, what is it about it that ends up having everyone die?
1: Yeah, I think that's, um, that's where the human errors come into play or just the human, uh, cruelty.
0: Right. Oh, that, I mean, isn't that like one of the biggest arguments against communism is human beings are too shitty to pull it off? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Well, let's, let's get into, uh, let's Let's talk about the theory of history, and then we can talk about ideology and then maybe we'll be able to uh have a better better picture of things okay so so according to Marx, history is a basically history is a a struggle of class against class, so slaves against masters, peasants against lords, and finally the proletariat against the bourgeoisie the what now in the Hogwat okay, so the proletariat. So right in the 19th century in, in England, the proletariat, marx called the people who worked in the factories, the laborers, people who sell their labor are called the proletariat.
0: Uh, and the bourgeoisie are the people that got the keys to the, they, they, they sit in the office all day.
1: Exactly. They own, they own the factories, they own capital, they're landlords, they're bankers. Right. They, uh, they don't sell their labor, they trade commodities and stuff like that. They collect rent, these sorts of things.
0: Soft-hand fucks, that's what I call them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So the Marx's core idea, which is very different from most other ways people think about history, is that it's the material conditions, a society's technology and its available resources that determine that society's social structure, its culture, its laws, and so
0: on. Not the other way around. Sorry, can you say that one more time? Right.
1: So... A society's social structure, so its culture, its philosophy, its laws, its religion, Yeah, this is determined by the society's available resources and technology for exploiting those resources. Uh, okay. So we'll go through some examples, right? So we start at the very beginning. Humans, we have to work, right? We can't, we're not like plants where we can just passively lie there and soak up sunlight and water for energy. Right. And reproduction. Like we need to go out and work. We need to harvest seeds or like kill a cow or something.
0: Fuck, it would be so nice to be a plant now that you put it that way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like when you put it that way, I always talk shit about plants, but they actually got it going on. They got it pretty good, eh? (laughs) They just stand there all day, bask in the glow and they don't have to do shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They don't got to do anything. It's nice. Oh, God. No, sorry, can't. Can't help you move. I'm I'm rooted here. Yeah, I would I would like to be
1: reincarnated as a blade of
0: grass. I think that would be nice. One blade of grass.
1: Hey, just one blade. That's all I need.
0: (laughs) I think I'd like to be. Do you want to be an evergreen? Like because of the the resiliency. But I feel like they're all up north and shit. What plant would I want to be? (laughs) I'd want to be a. I'd want to be a weed plant. Oh yeah, I'd be a weed plant for sure. You know what I would want to be? is I'd want to be a poppy because they get that one day of <laughs> where they're like celebrities, you know, <laughs> like oh, everyone's wearing you, <laughs> everybody's wearing you, you get all that shine for that one day, but it's every year, you know, you get that. Like it's actually more than one day. Like people start wearing poppies for a while and like,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. Also opium. Opium. That's true. So people like you, they like you for what you can produce and they like you for what you symbolize. So that's pretty, pretty not bad. <laughs> yeah. Pretty not bad at all. Hey, I'm numb down. Or i would be one of those plants that eat rats in the Amazon. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that escalated very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a meat eater. What can I say? I can't go without my rat steak. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, uh, so where we need to work. So Marx did not think technology was bad. On the contrary, he thought technology was the solution to all social problems. So basically, I think you can glean from this that for communism to work, we need very advanced technology. <laughs> okay. Like we need really, really advanced technology. And so in this sense, Karl Marx is the total opposite of Rousseau Because if you remember, Rousseau believed that anything that took us away from being a hunter gatherer was a bad thing. Yeah. So Marx is the total opposite. Even though Marx thought that hunter gatherers were a, basically a kind of proto communism, that doesn't mean that he thinks it would be good to be a hunter gatherer.
0: No, because they they you need you need that tech you need that tech to make it work, right?
1: Yeah, or else you're going to die from a broken arm.
0: Yeah, doesn't sound fun. <laughs> no, oh, imagine dying from a broken arm. Ugh, oh, rough. <laughs> Just flopping around <laughs> oh. <laughs> like a rubber. <laughs> uh. <sighs> Ugh. just a slow annoying death painful every
1: step just agony any like vibration will just cause it to be in pain
0: well here's like if you break your arm and no one resets it is it gonna hurt forever or does it just kind of like heal wonky
1: if you don't set it um i don't know if it'd heal
0: if you didn't set it it would just always be in pain
1: and it would become it would be extremely painful like yeah you have to put it in a sling or something. Okay. At least. At least put it in a sling. But it, de- it probably depends on the break. Whatever. We're not fucking doctors here. <laughs> <laughs> We're not?
0: <laughs> You're right. We're philosophers. Our doctorates are in philosophy. 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 I can't even yeah. fucking say it. <laughs> oh, God. This was supposed to make me feel smarter, this podcast, you know? And after a year, I can pretty pretty much say that has not happened.
1: That's a that's a good thing. That's what you want. Yeah. You don't wanna feel like philosophy's making you smarter. That's not the point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm starting to wonder what the fuck the point is. (laughs) But the listeners seem to like it, so continue on. I don't need to get it. They get it. That's what's important. (laughs) Okay.
1: So so right, so for Marx, you know, we gotta work to survive. And it's pretty much impossible for us to do this on our own. Like if you've watched any sort of survival show or anything like it's basically impossible for someone on their own to survive for that long without like some technology. Yeah. So you need to form a society, right? It's this whole uh, state of nature thing. Like maybe we're separate in the state of nature, but if we want to survive, we got to come together in a group. So for Marx, a society is not just a bunch of people hanging out. A society is a highly organized system where individuals are defined by their relationships to other individuals within that system. It's a massively complex system, and everyone has a role to play within that social system. Yeah. So let's take like a hunter-gatherer society. There's going to be some clearly defined relations within the group, right? Like someone's going to have to keep an eye out for threats. Um, while well, the other people are like gathering the berries and stuff. Yeah, the berries. But uh, it's pretty simple. Everyone, you know, people pretty much have the same sort of role. Like people just take turns doing different jobs. It's very simple. Yeah. But would there be human flourishing going on here? Maybe not, right? Because, I mean, you're busy picking berries all day. You're constantly on the move. You're probably hungry a lot. Predators. You're probably not really like flourishing.
0: And what does flourishing mean in uh, in the opinion of Mr. Karl Marx? (laughs) You're creating art. Is that what it is?
1: No, 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 not necessarily. Not necessarily. It's flourishing is self-actualization, right? So Maslow's pyramid at the bottom, you've got like your basic needs, then you've got like like having tasty food, like being able to relax. And then at the top of the pyramid is self-actualization, where you tap into your innate capacities and develop them to their potential. So for some people that might be a painter. For someone else, that might be the best damn bricklayer in the land. (laughs) Right? Like it could be could be anything. So it's what's inside of you that you develop that makes you
0: flourish. The best damn bricklayer in the land.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Think of a plant, right? Like you know a plant is flourishing when it's in the right conditions. It's growing. The leaves are all nice and plump. Like Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it's sort of like that. Sort of like
0: a plant flourishing, but a human. A human version of that.
1: Okay. Uh, Let your flower bloom.
0: (laughs) Right. Flourishing. Yeah, flourishing. Yeah. Got it. We all know that.
1: Okay. Yeah. But we weren't always hunter-gatherers. We discovered agriculture. And the hunter-gatherer way of life disappeared. It's just gone, for the most part. And agriculture changed the way society was organized. There's more stability and security, but you have to stay in one place. And you have to have a much more complex division of labor to make all the food that you need to survive. Some people have to plant, other people have to harvest. you got to build granaries, irrigation. You have to organize warehouses. You need a more complex division of labor. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it yeah? Totally makes sense.
1: Okay. But the big change, the big change that came with agriculture if you remember in the hunter-gatherer group, there weren't, there weren't really classes. Everyone has the same jobs, basically. People are kind of equal. Yeah. In the agricultural society, now there's this issue because you have a surplus of food at the end of the growing season or whatever. Yeah. Like if things are going well, you're going to be able to grow more than you can actually eat. Right. And now the question is, you got to store this stuff and you got to stop people from stealing it. So now there, a new job arises, and that is who's going to be storing and... The guard. The guard, right? And the warehouse owner. Yeah. And guess who starts to be in charge of society? Well, it's the guy who has the keys to the warehouse with all the food in it. Yeah. Just like those goddamn bankers. Exactly. You got it. So now there's class distinctions that are starting to arise. There's people who are out in the fields doing the actual work, and then there's people who are sort of controlling the, the food surplus making the tools, all those sorts of things, right? So now there's like different classes developing. Mm -hmm. And these agricultural societies, according to Marx, and I think a lot of historians agree, like uh, Sumeria, Egypt, ancient Greece, these all became slave-citizen societies. Slaves work the fields, citizens enjoy the surplus.
0: Yeah. Not good.
1: Not good.
0: (laughs) That's my review of that. Not (laughs) ideal for the slaves.
1: This was a bad move.
0: (laughs) This was not a good idea.
1: Yeah. But you can sort of see how, we can see how sort of his point is sort of becoming clear that it's the, we didn't develop slave citizen societies because we believe that some people ought to be slaves and some people ought to be citizens. Those societies sort of naturally developed because of the need to sort of protect and control the surplus of food at the end of the farming season
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and the need for workers and stuff like that. These, the sort of system sort of naturally arose from the necessities of labor and the technology of farming. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you get, uh, the philosophies, the cultures of these societies tend to reflect that distinction between slaves and citizens
0: yeah you want to, you want to avoid slavery <laughs> at almost all costs, I would say yeah um doesn't go well.
1: It's not good it's not good it doesn't end well. Just ask the Roman Empire
0: yeah, right
1: that's one of the biggest reasons the Roman Empire collapsed was because they needed these they always needed to have big standing armies. Mm-hmm. because they had to protect the citizens from the slaves because there are so many slaves to do all the projects and they were always rebelling. Yeah. So the more slaves you have, the more armies you need. So Rome needed so many soldiers, it started recruiting barbarians into the ranks who, when Rome got invaded, the barbarians joined the invading barbarians. And that's kind of part of why Rome collapsed.
0: Yeah, freaking turn Cloaks.
1: Yeah, turn Cloaks.
0: <laughs> Never trusted barbarian. I don't know why we have to say that out loud so often. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Also, you get people like these uppity types, like Spartacus, trying to prove (laughs) a point. Was he real? That's not real. He was a movie. But was he based off? He was probably based off a real No, he was
1: real. No, that was a real guy. Spartacus was real.
0: Oh, really?
1: He he led a slave revolt, a very successful slave revolt. Yeah. He was an ex-gladiator. Fuck, that's badass. Who led a slave revolt? It's dope. Spartacus is dope. That is dope. Spartacus is dope. I'm Spartacus. And then, like, at the end of the movie, they're like, I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. They all say they're Spartacus.
0: <laughs> Imagine if he's, like, instead of that protecting him, that move, he'd be like, no, uh, no, you guys are trying to steal my clout, man. <laughs> <laughs> clout chaser. <laughs> you you guys are clout chasing. <laughs>
1: uh, Yeah, so the Rome, Roman Empire collapsed. And what took its place was the feudal system. Now, there's no, not as many, there's not slaves in the feudal system, but there are these thing called serfs or like peasants.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Do you know how the, the feudal, you know the feudal system, right?
0: I know that there's, uh, you know.
1: Could you explain the feudal system?
0: Oh, God. It's like a, um, you know, like you got, you got the king, right? He's at the top. Right. Right? Okay. Some sort of royalty. They they call all the shots, you know. They call in their feudal lords. They tell them what's up. But the feudal lords, they kind of got control over their own area, and then they got the peasants, which are their well, they're their peasants. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> some, you know, the feudal lords. Oh fuck! Uh, the feudal system is is a uh, it's a system of uh, it's a hierarchy, as you can tell, um, um, and it really. It, the peasants owe the feudal lord money, and the feudal lord owes the king money, and the king owes the peasants money. So it's kind of a nice, neat circle. Whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot explain the feudal system at this time, but maybe you get, maybe you can. Okay. You give it a shot. It's not that easy.
1: That, that, was, that, was pretty, that was pretty good. It was pretty good up until the king owing peasants money. It was pretty good up until then. <laughs> so uh, one big thing, one huge difference that's obvious, right? That sh- should be obvious right away is the feudal system had no standing armies. Right, there's no big standing armies in the feudal system because you don't need to put down peasant revolts all the time because the peasants aren't slaves. They get paid a little bit for their work. Mm-hmm. And uh, so basically like the Lord owns the land and controls the surplus of food that the peasants produce.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: so the peasants work the land and they pay taxes and in exchange they're allowed to live on the land. But if a if a war should come up, then they also are obligated to join and fight in the army for the lord. So in a way the feudal system sort of took the slaves and the soldiers and sort of combined
0: them into like one thing. Right.
1: Kinda of clever. Kinda of clever.
0: Mm-hmm. Frickin' peasants peasants, I don't think they make great soldiers though. They got pitchforks, they're covered in mud. Yeah. They uh they usually have hunchbacks, from what I can tell.
1: Yeah. Well that's that's the thing that's like the problem with like these shows like Game of Thrones and stuff, is like they don't really very accurately show you what medieval warfare was actually like. No. No. Because yeah, it mostly it was like some armored knights and then a bunch of yeah, farmers with like pitchforks and stuff. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they have their fight. They have their killing pitchfork and their (laughs) hay gathering pitchfork.
1: Yeah, then they had like longbowmen, English longbowmen, and stuff. But so that's that's why that society was the way that it was. It wasn't because they thought, oh, you know, we should have like we should have knights because they're shiny and stuff. The king should have a castle. It was no. It's like this is because of the agricultural system, and you can't have slaves. So what arises a feudal system.
0: It's better than having slaves, I would imagine. It's
1: progress, right? <laughs> it's progress. Yeah, but it's uh, it's all, it's all sort of coming about because of these class struggles, right? The slaves against the masters, and then with the the peasants and the lords, you start to get this uh, a merchant class arises, and they were called burgers.
0: <laughs> like a uh, burger, burger, barons. burger that's barons. That's what they were. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
1: Burger parents. And so these burgers were like merchants and they would form trade guilds and they would do all the commerce. And this was called mercantilism because eventually these merchants got so rich that they were like richer than the lords themselves. And they could sort of like start running things.
0: And that's how capitalism came apart. It came uh, 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 to be. Right? Is that what you're about to say?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, mercantilism, mercantilism is this really stupid idea that <laughs> is this really dumb economic idea that basically the goal of your economy should be always to sell more than you buy. So always, always import less than you export. Mm. And it's kind of impossible to like sustain that because the only way to sustain that is to continuously expand your resources that you control. So this gave rise to the, like, rush for colonies and things like that. Mm. But eventually that went away. I see. This is, like, economics, so I don't quite get it. But basically it was, uh, I think it it disappeared because it's, like, fundamentally impossible to sustain it. And they didn't have paper money. All their money was gold. And so they were just, like, obsessed with, like, don't let any gold leave the country. Like, keep all the gold in the country. But it's just it's silly. It's just silly.
0: Very silly. <laughs> So they,
1: it went away. <laughs> Let's just say it went away and it got replaced. David Hume said it was so silly and people stopped doing it, which is true.
0: Well, people seem to listen. They they seem to listen to David Hume. <laughs> um, we are at an hour here, Sam. I don't know if you covered everything you wanted to cover.
1: No, we, we have to go a little bit. We have to go a little bit more. Okay. This is the last thing and then we can, we can get out of here. All right. But this is probably the thing, this is like probably the thing that, uh, so Jordan Peterson, right? You've always heard him raving about the cultural Marxists.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Right. So, so far, I don't think we've said anything that would rile people up or rile someone up like Jordan Peterson.
0: I think he would just be riled up by my lack of command of the English language, for starters.
1: (laughs) 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 But, um, so basically right, so Marx, one thing that Marx thought was very interesting is that In our capitalist system, and in all of these class divided systems where one class is basically exploiting the other class and constantly fucking them over, why are they so stable? Like, they don't, there's not like constant revolutions and things like that. Things are pretty stable. And Marx explained this by saying that there's something called ideology. So, all societies that are based on class divisions will have this ideology. And the ideology will justify the class divisions. So what is ideology? It's like, it's basically, it's a dominant system of false misleading beliefs that are widely accepted in society. And these beliefs serve the interests of the ruling minority class.
0: Mm. Religion again.
1: Well, okay, well, here's, right? So you know George Carlin, right? Yeah. He had a, a famous bit about the American dream. And his, his bit was, the American dream is, you got to be asleep to believe it. Right.
0: I remember that line.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the American dream is an ideology that, you know, you have this belief that, you know, you work hard and eventually you will
0: be a millionaire. Right. Lots of people still believe that. And it's just not, it's just not the case.
1: A lot of people believe it, but it's just not the case. And so that's like an example of an ideology. It's this sort of a system of false misleading beliefs that sort of serves the interests of the bourgeoisie or the ruling class. Yeah. But really, yeah, religion is another ideology. It gives you this idea that, Oh, like just work hard, be good while you're alive. And then after you die, then you get to relax.
0: (laughs) Then you get to be a millionaire.
1: Yeah. Then you get to be a millionaire. Uh, And so that's basically, uh, that's basically Karl Marx in a nutshell capitalism alienates us from our fellow man. communism is inevitable because of historical materialism and just be careful that you don't slip into believing an ideology.
0: Okay, I will. I'll be careful, <laughs> Mr. Marx.
1: So what do you think? More sympathetic to to the idea of communism?
0: I mean, it's got a lot of I think like it 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 comes down to the uh the selfishness of human beings and the idea of, like, it's it's hard for people to not look out for number one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it seems like this type of philosophy or this type of society requires a, a, an amount of, like, empathy and, and uh, putting others before yourself that most humans just don't naturally gravitate towards.
1: And you know why that is?
0: because we're monkeys
1: because we're in a capitalist <laughs> system that forces us to treat others as a means to an end corrupted by the ideology.
0: Oh. Well,
1: that's like that's the that's the actual communist response, false consciousness.
0: I don't I mean, people are selfish. Yeah.
1: So that's why like I think the idea is that you should never try to start a communist revolution. If you actually believe in this theory, you don't need to start one. It'll happen eventually. And it'll happen when it's meant to happen.
0: Yeah. Well, you, yeah. So get all those, all you communists out there, just sit down, shut up, and wait for your shit to happen. Okay.
1: Yeah. I agree. I think if Karl Marx was alive, he would say, Hey, stop going and preaching about communism and start trying to develop some of the technology that we're going to need to replace menial labor.
0: Well, that's already happening through capitalism, which is kind of ironic, right?
1: Yeah. That's the thing, right? It'll eventually, capitalism will collapse because. There will be no labor anymore.
0: So, in a way, the only way—only way—you can achieve a, a like a communist society that actually works is through capitalism.
1: If capitalism can sustain technological development to the point that you don't need humans for labor anymore, yeah, then um, then it could lead to something like communism, or something worse. It could lead to like a total annihilation of like everybody. Like, who knows? Yeah. Oh, we don't need people anymore? Well, <laughs> well.
0: <laughs> yeah. We don't. Yeah. I, it's the next hundred years are going to be weird and scary. That's all I know. Yeah. I That's be. all I know. <laughs> I would agree. Weird and scary, <laughs> but interesting. It's going to be interesting. So, oh, hell of a show. As yes. long as you're interested in how terrifying everything is, it should be pretty interesting. Um, Let's just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna save the question we got for next episode because uh, I gotta go. I gotta eat dinner. I am uh, a laborer. I work uh, in the factories, and my potato bun is ready for me. My potato um, covered in potato. <laughs> That's what I think they ate back then. Where potatoes covered in other potatoes, and that was like a fancy dinner.
1: Yeah, but it's a potato sandwich. You take one potato, and then you put it between two other potatoes.
0: Yeah. Potato sandwich. Mm-hmm. Very versatile little uh, little little root potato. Anyways, uh, that's neither here nor there. We we got to shut this down. <laughs> Anything else to add?
1: Workers of the world, unite.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay, Sam's a communist now, so thanks, Carl. <laughs> Bye.
1: Leos.